Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact, their inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Sevan Palvetsian. Sevan is the CEO at Civic Action. Under her leadership, the organization has launched the Civic Action Leadership Foundation and two new initiatives focused on youth unemployment and mental health in the workplace. Before Civic Action, Savon held several senior executive roles within the Ontario government, where she championed the next generation of leaders, launching the Youth and New Professional Secretariat, a government-wide strategy to attract and retain future generations of leaders, which included the award-winning Learn and Work Program for At-Risk Youth. In addition to her previous positions at the University of Toronto, the World Bank Group and Presidential Classroom a Washington, D.C.-based civic education organization, Savan frequently contributes to city-building efforts. These include serving on the Premier's Community Hubs Advisory Group, the Toronto Police Service Board Transformational Task Force, and the Mayor's Advisory Panel for International Hosting Opportunities. She also sits on the Board of Directors for both Toronto Region Immigrant Employment Council, NPower Canada, Waterfront Toronto, and is a member of the Ivy Business School Leadership Council. So welcome to the podcast, Sevan. I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you for having me join you today. So tell me about Civic Action and how it came about. How did you come to develop and create this organization? And and what interested you about becoming a a kind of a, a hub for Uh, collaborators in in many areas? Well, I've been at Civic Action for just over three years, but the organization has been around for closer to 14. You know, we're a city-building organization, and we focus on those big, meaty urban challenges that the greater Toronto and Hamilton area is facing. And uh, what our model is, and it's pretty unusual, it's part of what drew me to this role, is uh, we are not issue-specific. So every four years, we have a summit. And Ursula, we invite the heads of business, of labor, of academia, government, the community-serving sector, and the next generation of leaders coming up behind them. So you can imagine anywhere from six to 800 different people in a room that's right, and we have the, this this summit, as we call it, every four years. Now, in those four years, we uh, we chart our dance card. We figure out with the leaders of this region, what are those urban issues that we need multi-sector action on? And then in between the summits, we get about launching campaigns, programs, uh, new initiatives to see real action. 
know, I like to say we're civic action, not civic chit-chat. So we're not just about having the conversation. We're about having the conversation that leads to impact. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the issues that we've touched over those 14 years have involved things like youth unemployment, like energy reduction in the office sector. In this case, we're working very hard on mental health in the workplace, a problem in our region which has hit as many as one in two people in the labor force. So it's a fascinating role that I have the privilege of assuming here at Civic Action because no two days are the same, (laughs) no two years are the same, Uh, but interestingly, the cast of characters uh, in some cases rejuvenates itself and some of the other players who've been with us very from the very beginning days 14 years ago are still with us on the new uh, the new issues that we work on today mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's quite wonderful wow well tell me a little bit more about the the specific issues that you're f- focusing on in this four-year period when when's your next summit our next summit is 2019 actually we are we are literally three days from the midway point. Our last summit <laughs> was in April of 2015. And so uh, a couple of issues that we're working really hard on, I'm up, in addition to the mental health topic, the youth unemployment challenge. So in my region, the greater Toronto and Hamilton area, as many as 83,000 young people between 15 and 24 aren't in education, aren't in employment, aren't in training. And that's a massive number when you think about that this region, the greater Toronto-Hamilton area, this powers, this is one of the richest regions in our nation. You know, the GDP of of Canada, 20% of that comes out of this region. This is the region that has all the financial services headquartered. This is the region that's the rich, the rich bed of life and health sciences. We've got many universities here. I mean, it's phenomenal. Yet, despite those rich resources, we have so many young people that, that are not in any way plugged in to, to formal life. And so at Civic Action, we've been working with the business community to say, look, you have jobs, but some of the jobs you have are unaccessible or in some cases unattainable to young people who face barriers. Sometimes it's about language. Other times it's about proximity, transportation barriers. Sometimes there's a lot, it's about unwitting barriers in the hiring practices or the screening practices that companies may, may not be even aware that they're doing. And so our work on youth unemployment has been to work with the business sector to find new ways to hire hundreds and tens of thousands eventually of young people so that that trajectory of 83,000 not being plugged in begins to change. Wow. This is so interesting. I just spoke to someone the other day who has a nonprofit that is working on youth unemployment, but her focus is creating entrepreneurial opportunities for them. Is that part of your mandate or do you focus on established jobs in the workplace? We're focusing on the latter, on established jobs in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And that's there's some great work that's happening. There's another group, Futurepreneur, here in the region read, run by a very talented woman named Julia Deans. They're doing phenomenal work trying to help young Canadian entrepreneurs get plugged in. So one of the things that we do at Civic Action, and I, and I love this criteria, it's not just that we focus on big urban issues that need attention. We also want to know that these are the issues that may not have a lot of coverage currently, that need a bit of that gray space, right, to be filled in. Mm-hmm. And, and that have a multi-sector action. So sometimes, you know, the issues that we work on, uh, frankly, or the issues that we could choose to work on, is really just stuff that government should get on and do, right? Or the community serving sector should just do more of. We try to find that sweet spot 
of uh, where we are the home of best fit and where multi-sector players uh, by definition need to be part of the solution. And and that's where we've chosen to place our emphasis these past 14 years. Mm, that's great. Tell us a little bit about the mental health and the workplace work that you're doing, because that has become mm-hmm. such a huge issue. And just recently, the royal family in the UK is talking about mental health uh, and very much in the limelight about that. Tell me about what, what you're doing, what Civic Action is doing. Well, and you're absolutely right. I, I was very interested to see that news come out where Prince Harry did share that after the passing of his mother, the very tragic passing of his mother, he just didn't talk about it. And eventually, as we know, that's, that finds a way out mm-hmm. through, in his case, um, uh, some harmful behavior, but fortunately has found his way to a peaceful place with it. Yeah, I mean, here we did a piece of analysis with a group called Kensia, the Canadian Center for Economic Analysis, and Morneau Chappelle, which is one of the major healthcare providers in the health space here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that size of the problem, that one in two people uh, in this region, in the labor force, has experienced a mental health issue. And that isn't, Ursula, you know, oh, I can't find my keys this morning. <laughs> I'm running late. I'm stressed. That's not that. Right, that's that's right. sort of a daily sort of uh, momentary stress. One in two people experiencing a mental health issue is much more substantive than that. Mm-hmm. And the cost, so by not doing anything about those those press pressures and stresses on the labor force, it's going to cost our region over the next decade $17 billion in lost productivity. So with our arms around the side of the problem here, we then went to see, okay, what's the, what's the solution, the action we can have? A lot of great campaigns helping to break down stigma that 10 years ago weren't there. Bell Let's Talk, a brilliant campaign here um, in our country that's just done a phenomenal job making talking about mental health and mental illness a bigger priority. And so what we decided to focus on came out of a statistic that just made our jaws drop. And it was uh, some some data that shared 42% of business leaders know that they want to do something for the mental health of their employees, but just don't know where to start. So what we decided to create is a a navigational system through the sea of mental health supports and resources out there. We call it Minds Matter. It's a free online self-assessment tool. And in three minutes, you can complete 12 questions that tell you where you are as a company or as a leader, as an HR professional, where you are on the journey. And it produces three suggested actions on how to do more and, and then links you to the resources on how to do it now. Mm. It's what we consider an on-ramp, right, to get more active in doing more. And it's the beauty of it. All the resources and actions already existed. It's just a navigation through. And that's so often the case that there's no one central portal that ends up being a place where people can go and navigating the system itself can be a huge obstacle to doing something. So that's great that you've created this central place where people can go and and really tap into some really existing and great resources. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, a, that's been our goal. And we launched that effort December 2nd. Already 
210 organizations are on board doing more. So we're, we're very excited. Yeah, that's great. Well, in this in this realm, and you know, just to put it in a bigger perspective, that it's not this isn't like a Toronto specific problem. This is something that is has been shown to be an issue around the world, in particularly in developed countries like ours, where there's um, people are under stress, and there it's often um, mental health issues often come into play in not just productivity within organizations, but within people's ability to have impact, to really do the work that they want to do and to uh, be able to be a presence in the world that's not only making a contribution, but always also allowing them to, to do work that's meaningful and valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, this, this part of our country in Toronto in particular, half of the people who, who have jobs are precariously employed, you know, meaning uh, some of the, the be- benefits that used to be there 25 years ago no longer are. You, don't, you may not know your shift schedule as, as far in the distance as even seven or eight days from now. The cost of daycare is the highest in the country. Mm. You know, you can do a bachelor's of science degree, an entire degree, for less money than sending an infant to childcare in this city for one year. Wow. So the cost of housing is out of reach for most. Mm-hmm. The commute times are brutal in the North American context. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. When you add all of the factors of stress of the high-paced, fast-paced, high-moving urban life uh, and the costs and wrapping them over top of that, it's no wonder uh, people are feeling the pressures. And that's where we wanted to do this work. We aren't perforated beings. We don't get to leave part of us at the front door of our workplace right. as we walk in for our day. Right. So our work, and you know what? Our workplaces are where, like it or not, we spend most of our waking hours. So we really wanted to find a way to have an impact on that frontier, the workplace, mm-hmm. uh, because in our view, it is the frontier most in need of new action. Yeah. Well, tell me a bit about how civic action plays a role. I, I saw the... Um, description that that you serve you fulfill the role of a neutral sandbox so that collaboration is super important and you bring in so many different sectors and I think that's a great example of how we can work together to have impact could you elaborate on that a little bit yeah so it's actually it's a model that has since been studied we love we love being able to share this model because it's something that uh that is a made in Canadian, a made in Canada concept. This notion that of where you put the issue of the day at the center of the table, and then you line the table with the smartest, passionate, diverse voices and vantage points you can find. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite books of all time is called The Wisdom of Crowds. Oh yeah. And, and the premise, you know, the premise is if for the, for your listeners who may not be as familiar, you know, you could find the ten smartest people in the world put them in a room and give them a challenge. Or you could find the the 10 people that pop up from the subway station and you'll have a random mix of folks, right, on the ladder. Put them in a room and give them the same question. You will always get a better answer from the diverse crowd that popped up from the subway Mm -hmm. because there's different sources of information and there there are uh, muted versions of, of, um, of, of ignorance, if you will, because people come with different understandings of different topics. And that concept of the wisdom of crowds is what sits at the core of civic action. You know, when I worked for government, I used to think that government was a neutral convener. Of course, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's a regulator. 
it's a, you know, it's a funder in some cases. But what's neat about civic action is we, we do not have a mothership that is tied to any sectoral obligation. We're not an arm of government. We're not a think tank of an extension of a school, a university. We're not part of a church or a religious group. We, we literally are, you know, tofu. We get to take on the flavor of whatever you add to us. And so people come and participate in our activities and our actions uh, with realizing that there's not a lot of baggage that comes in the door with them. And that's freeing and liberating. We like to pack our tables with brilliant brains, but no one sits at the head of the table. Uh, and that's both literally and figuratively. And I think that's part of the secret sauce in our civic action mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really powerful to bring people together in that way. And what do you feel is the, the main impact or the most important ways that you impact the people that you serve or the the community, I guess, is your is your main audience, but um, could you share a little bit well, about it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of metrics on our dashboard, if you will, but one that I am personally very proud of is it has to do with uh, diversity. So we live in, in the city, Toronto, which I call home, and it's home to where I'm raising our two little daughters. We live in the most diverse city on the planet, Right, Half the population is foreign-born in this town. Mm -hmm. And yet, when you look at the leadership, that is the C-suites of all the sectors, not just business, but if you look at the leadership, you realize that visible minorities represent about 13% of those senior leadership positions, and women are about 32%. So one of the things that I am most proud of that Civic Action does is around leadership development and being able to find bright talent. We have this program called the Civic Action Diversity Fellows. Imagine a civic MBA, and imagine there's a class of 25 that's highly, highly competitive to get into. But that group of 25, their careers are fast-tracked by as much as a decade because we give them access to decision-makers, thinkers, leaders, and we pack their own sort of I don't know, civic passport, if you will, with a set of skills that they're going to need to be leaders in this town and region, but do it faster. So over the, the 13, 14 years we've been around, we've literally developed hundreds, if not close to thousands of leaders and brought their voices and unique vantage points to the C-suites all across this region in ways that weren't there before. Mm. There's still a lot of work to do in that area. A lot of work to do, <laughs> but I am very pleased that when we convene meetings, the meeting room reads like, looks like Toronto, the Toronto region. It is a diverse crew. It is a diverse set of voices, and it represents uh, the richness the richness of our people, not just an eco-chamber of, uh, of, of a very small slice of it. And that's so important. I've been to meetings where the very topic is even the very topic is diversity, and what you have up front is a very thin slice of the population. So the the irony of that seems to always be lost on the conveners. But I, it's so glad to hear that you are so consciously incorporating that and and developing leaders of all Absolutely. backgrounds. Yeah. Well, and that's where our our board of directors, we've just got a tremendous 
just a tremendous board of directors on the civic action side and on the civic action, new civic action leadership foundation side. But that's where our board of directors said, you know what, the leadership development work that we do, it's part of civic action. It's such a big part, it's such an important part, that that's where we decided to, to take it out and give it its own spotlight as a, a leadership foundation. And that just launched for us in February of this year. Uh, we've been thrilled with the response, and it will allow us to do some new programming to, you know, high school kids. Because, you, you know, your civic switch needs to go off the, the back of your head when you're 15, not 25. Right. You know, to, to more, for more programming for women, more programming on the front lines for community leaders from diverse backgrounds. So this foundation we're very excited about because it'll take what we already have been able to do on a shoestring and hopefully, uh, you know, take it to a different level of impact for even more people in this region. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you in this context, too, and uh, how you operate within this environment. And one of the things that I talk with people about around this topic of impact is what are your own values? Because my belief is that what you do, the impact that you have, whether it's conscious or unconscious, is completely informed by the things that you hold as important, by the things that you mm. value. So could you share with with us a little bit about what your values are and how they come into play in choosing to be part of what you're doing now? Thank you. I love that question. I do, I would share your perspective of values. It's something that matters a lot to me as an individual. It matters to me as a mom. It matters to me as an executive. And it certainly matters to me as a citizen in this great country of ours. Uh, for me, I guess it would boil down to three key things. One is integrity. Um, I've had the good fortune of, frankly, with only one exception, having had the great fortune of working for leaders who absolutely have the highest levels of integrity. And I, and I giggle a bit when I think about the one exception because I voted with my feet and got the hell out of Dodge <laughs> because I was working for somebody, the, the, a woman had come in to become the new leader. And she didn't, I did not see that integrity in her. And I could, every day I came to work and I felt that. Uh, and I was pretty young. Uh, so I wasn't sure what it was that I was feeling. And through a conversation with another mentor, I realized, oh, my God, that's what it is. Our values are so far from being aligned. And I decided to leave that role and, and uh, move on to the next adventure. Where, But it did hone for me the importance of integrity. Um, does someone stand by their principles when it's especially hard? Um, and and those, those are the people that I'm attracted to, and that's certainly the kind of leader that I, I, uh, that I aspire to be. Um, honesty would be a second. You know, trust is one of those things that I think is really hard to rebuild. And so uh, trust is at the core of any relationship. And that includes the workplace. We, I have the, my team here is very smaller. We're about 13, 14 people. But it feels more like family than it does a workplace. And I think that's because trust and respect on every level is there uh, amongst all the players. And so I, that's an important value to me. And the third would be character. So... You know, it, it, it does involve integrity in there, but it's a broader sense for me on, you know, what do you do when no one's looking? That's the kind of test of that, right? Mm -hmm. And and also, are you know, are you just a good person? Uh, and are you a fun person to be with? A sense <laughs> of humor. 
is one of my favorite attributes in humans. And, uh, and I tend to gravitate toward people who have that. Um, and again, when I think about my board and my small but mighty team here at Civic Action, they, we have a lot of fun too. And that certainly makes, uh, makes it makes it a privilege to have the kind of role that I have with the people I get to work with on a daily basis. Mm. I love that you've included sense of humor and character because that's usually considered sort of this somber thing of, yes, you have, you know, moral fortitude or whatever, however people describe it. But I, uh, I think that I agree. I think that is enormously important to have a sense of humor in what you're doing. Yeah, I do. Like, because we, we do hard work and sometimes the stuff we do, you know, in our lives, in our careers, it's um, you do need to break it up a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I think a good sense of humor helps with that, and and can sort of smooth out some of the rough edges of a day. Yeah, yeah. Well, and in, in the work that you do, it can be heavy at times, so it's important to to balance that too. So, mm-hmm. is it has it always been important to you to have impact in your work, or is this something that has evolved in you over time? How's that being an agent yeah, of positive I- change? shifted for you or has it you know i i when i look back over my career it's always been there but it wasn't until i would say the last the last few years that i was aware that that was the thesis right so Mm -hmm. you know when you're in your early 20s you're just out of school my god you're just trying to find a job right (laughs) um and and then you start to be able to be a bit more selective and you start to realize what are the things that I'm gravitating toward? What's, what's the gravitational pull factor? And then there starts to be a trend, right? And you start to notice that into your late twenties and into your thirties. I'm now, I you know, just recently turned 41. So, so I'm old now, Ursula, you know, I figured all this out. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong person about that. <laughs> that is not old. But, well, it's, it's, and it's just well-seasoned, right? <laughs> That's but, right. Uh, it, you start to notice patterns. And as my kids tell me, you know, when you get to three, you've got a trend. So, uh, yeah, when I look back over my career, the stuff that I've been, the, the gravitational pull that gets me is the stuff where, there's big thorny challenges. I really do get off on a good challenge. There is um, some kind of impact, some kind of social dimension to it that makes me feel good because uh, I feel like the work I'm doing has has broader impact or meaning. But also, back to that team point, um, all of us have seen on paper the dream job. And then you show up and you think, good God, is this where I'm going to spend, you know, how many hundreds of hours over the next year? And so... Uh, the, the impact of the team-based environment is also very important for me in impact. None of us does anything alone. Anybody that thinks they do, right. <laughs> sort of looping. Yes. And so you can really only achieve impact with, when you've got a great group of, of colleagues and team behind you or with you doing it. And, uh, and so that's, that is something that I've, I hope I've done in my career and hope I continue to, which is to build really strong teams with people way smarter than me because they make finding impact easier and achieving it a ton of fun. Well, in the context of that team setting, what do you see as your most important uh, use of time and energy? How have you come to realize what's most valuable for you to do in that mix? I would say in the inside world here with my team, it's coaching, right? So I have this amazing collection of human beings that I consider my sort of informal board of advisors, if you will. 
before I go to make any big move, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, I reach out to my board of advisors and say, help me think through what I'm not seeing. Mm-hmm. And and that role that they've played to me as coaches, as mentors, as friends, is something that I I aspire to to develop also within my own teams and, and, and network. So I spend a lot of time, I hope, um, you know, coaching and, and supporting my own colleagues and both within my organization and outside of it to um, because I really do love watching that next generation, you know, step up to those leadership positions. And mm-hmm. if I've had in any way a role in that, it makes me very proud. That's the mom in me, I guess. That makes sure. me very proud. Yeah. And on the external side of things, I uh, this role affords civic action and my, myself the great privilege of being able to contribute to really important policy matters of our time, whether that's how policing in Toronto needs to be transformed, whether that's how community hubs across this province need to be uh, better established and supported. Uh, so I get to sit, um, I would say, in that, that thought space as a member of civic action, uh, but with the external world. And that brings me a lot of um, personal fulfillment as well as professional pride, because I think the views of city building organizations uh, need to be at the forefront of some of these policies that are on the front lines, uh, in our case of sanctuary cities like Toronto, but are on the urban front lines uh, across all these these countries. Well, and I think people are are in not only in Canada but other countries, the U.S. and in Europe, are becoming more and more aware of the role of public policy in everyday lives. I think people have really, at least I can speak for myself, been in a bit of a bubble in terms of the impact of public policy. But I think it's really come to the fore. So your role in that is, is super important. Absolutely. And, and cities' roles in that, right? Like when I started off at university, I was in liberal arts. And when I started off, a lot of my friends in the, who were followed in the history or political science majors, they thought going to work for the federal government, right, would be the area of biggest impact. The issues of the day, the topics that mattered. You know what? 20 years later, it's going to the municipal front lines. Mm-hmm. That's where the action is. Yeah. That order of government used to be the forgotten cousin, mm-hmm. uh, where the feds and, the, in our case, the provincial government select a lot of the great policy brains. I'm watching it go the exact other direction. Our country and the big city mayors are big time players. If you want to get impact at a, uh, uh, in a government order, you head, you head to the municipalities these mm-hmm. days. I, That's I, where the action's at. I agree. I think local action has become the kind of the forefront of everything that's happening because everything ultimately begins locally, even whether it's a, a policy that is made on a larger scale, it still affects people right at the ground level of where they live. So it becomes Absolutely. very there important. Is nothing, nothing more impactful to your quality of life than your zip code, right? Mm. Even more so than the flag on the back of your sewn onto the back of your, ba- your, your backpack. <laughs> your zip code in our country, you know, your postal code is really what dictates the quality of schools, the length of your transportation commute, how many services are available to you and your family, what languages they're available in. It's it's on the front lines of life. And uh, and so that's why city building is so uh, so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's no shortage of issues to go around. <laughs> and, uh, and fortunately, there's no shortage of talent to greet them. Right. 
Well, as you're you're meeting these issues, uh, something that often comes up for people when they're really passionate about what they're doing and very engaged by it is that it's easy to lose track of our own self-care in that. Is there Are there particular things that you do to support your energy level and make sure that you're taking care of yourself? Super question. It's actually, we, we kick off our staff meetings every other week with, um, with, a, with a question. Whoever's chairing the meeting gets to pick something fun, right? It's like, what's your favorite movie or over the weekend? What'd you do? Or, you know, what's your favorite memory of summer when you were a kid? Someone asked about a month ago, what's your preferred self-care? And now I work with a, with a bunch of great folks, including a big chunk of them as millennials. I was fascinated the millennials had faster and better answers to that question than the Xers. Uh, and in some cases we got, we have a boomer or two in their mix as well. The millennials are doing a much better job at self-care. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I thought about, I took that away and I thought, geez, you know, am I, am I doing enough on that? And, you know, we're all time starved and got little kids and big careers and, and uh, it is an interesting question. I, I think I, I still have lots of growth in that area but I do love, um, I love the outdoors and I love physical fitness. So I, I work out in our Canadian winters. I go indoors for that. And as soon as the spring and summer hits, I go running outside. I swim. We have a, a little cottage escape that we head to in the uh, spring and summer months as well. So, you know, I would say being with good people, trying to recharge my batteries physically, I get a lot of sleep. I need a lot of sleep. I'm not one of these people that can exist on five hours. I wish I could. <laughs> um, and I try to eat well. Um, uh, and so some days with a, with a crazy addiction to, to onion rings and french fries. So <laughs> cold caveat. <laughs> that's not very good. But, but uh, no, I think that's an area that, I, you know, I didn't even think about that word 10 years ago, self-care. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still striving, I think, to figure that out. Yeah, it's really something that we're all becoming more aware of. So it's an, it's an important aspect of the mix of, of having impact. Well, have you, in the course of, of the work that you're doing, could you talk about an issue or an obstacle that you've come across that has felt like something preventing you from having the impact that you want to have. I always think it's valuable to hear how people have been able to move through these things, because of course we all have obstacles or problems that come up. So if you're willing to share a little bit about that, that would be valuable for people to hear. Yeah. I mean, there are so many examples where, because we're such a small organization, one of the biggest challenges I face is around impact is or so like on a weekly basis, we could get a call from somebody saying, civic action, can you help on X? Or this issue needs a bit more support. Can you help on Y? I'd love to say yes to every single call. I'd love to say yes to every single issue. That's impossible. And then, and then the care of my employees and team would certainly be faltering at that, at that expense. So one of the things I think that um, uh, as it relates to impact that we try to do is just really, you know, ring fence specifics of what we're going to get involved in and and try to focus our energies as tightly as possible. Because we reload our issues every four years, we only have four years to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. And it really does force the discipline, I would say, in in making sure that we spend our energy smartly and and wisely in, in that regard. 
I can see that being a, a positive, though, because when you have a defined time for something that's all of these are very complex and a lot of moving parts. When you have a defined time for it, in a way, it's um, it's a good thing because you know that it's not like you're going to be spending the next forty years at it. You're on to a new topic, so that can be yeah, absolutely valuable. Yeah. Well, and and back to your question then around. You know, when you've got, so we've got that time frame, that very small time frame. How do you achieve that? How do you achieve huge levels of impact with a short amount of time? To me, it comes back to relationships. <clears throat> so, for example, our, our, that, that work that we are doing on mental health in the workplace, this amazing online assessment tool. How do we now get that into the hands of as many companies, organizations as possible? Because we're, again, we're like a 14-person organization. How do we... How do we get the marketing word out? How do we get the communications word out? That's you go to your relationships and your network. So we've got a great relationship with the transportation providers in this region. Let's get some pro bono ad space up on the subway cars, talking about the assessment, talking about how easy it is, showing people the link to do it today on your smartphone. You know, who are the influencers who standing up at a podium at a luncheon of business leaders can do a plug the assessment tool can articulate the need for more action in this area. So the ability to look to your relationships helps our work here to deepen the impact. If we didn't have that Rolodex of amazing people with whom we could uh, convincingly work and partner to get the word out deeper, I don't think we would have the kind of impact that we've achieved. Mm-hmm. 14 people can't do the work that Civic Action has done over 14 years. It's the, the network of 7,000 players mm. who are somehow engaged in our work over those years. That's how impact is done. It literally is through the village, mm-hmm. not through a small table of players. And, and, uh, and I think that applies to personal life as well, right? Like when you're faced, when you move to a new city, what do you do? You ask your friends, anybody know anybody there? What's a great neighborhood to live in? I need a restaurant recommendation. You go to your network. Well, in our case, impact expands through the same thing, your network. But you need to make sure that you see results. Otherwise, your network will, will shrink in. And you need to make sure you have a good reputation or some of the players in your network won't stay. Mm-hmm. If there was one piece of advice or an an insight that you would share with another leader who wants to have impact, what would you share with them from your own experience? Follow your gut. Impact is very specific. It's like a fingerprint, right? So something is impactful to to you, but may not be the same degree of impact to someone else, right? So that which inspires my best friend who has a lot of things that she's interested in, very passionate about, very different than myself. Mm-hmm. But so your ability to, to trust your gut, to follow the stuff that speaks to you, I think by definition gives you the upper hand in going deeper with results. We've all had jobs or we've all been involved in issues or parts of our life where your heart kind of really wasn't in it. Well, not surprisingly, the results speak to that. So if you want to have impact, it's got to be in something that you care about, that you're passionate about, and that you are willing to see through through the dark hours (laughs) where it seems a little unreachable because nothing is a straight line forward, right? You have step backs. And uh, and I think the people that I respect and admire the most didn't deal with failure and just turn and run. 
that just became part of a learning, right, that went into the cycle, and they just kept pushing forward to find that kind of impact, whether that's on settling Syrian refugees here in incredible numbers, historic numbers in our town, whether that's in, in doing stuff for environmental and resiliency for the extreme weather that keeps hitting our city and, and you know, wreaking havoc on the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But people, the biggest areas of impact are where people just refuse to give up. <laughs> and they refuse to give up because they were passionate about it in the first place. That's great. And, um, I mean, I think that leaves people with a very um, good source of inspiration for the impact that they want to have. I, I want to thank you so much, Savon, for joining me today. The The work that you're doing on so many, on bringing in so many different players into a cooperative action, I mean, it really speaks to your and your organization's ability to create relationships that are valuable and uh, really allow people to have the kind of impact that you have in in a very large community. So I want to thank you so much for sharing that with us today and and, uh, really being willing to speak to what that means for you professionally and personally. So thank you again. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your interest in our work here at Civic Action. And for any of your listeners who are interested in learning more, I do invite them to check out our website, civicaction.ca. There's lots about uh, the history of this great place and some of the amazing players that, that we work with on a regular basis to see action in city building. That's great. Well, thank you again, Savan. I really want to say thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. It's so valuable. Thanks. That's very kind. I appreciate your your kind words and the opportunity to be with you today. So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, Join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.